Had enough of the been there, done that ideas? Tired of too much talk and so little action? Rewind now and welcome to Transformation and Change Radio with Dr. Kathy O'Bear, where the vision of true equity, inclusion, courage, and purpose meet powerfully. Dr. Kathy delivers with dynamic, engaging conversation and the most authentically brave dialogue on air today. This hit show will challenge you to explore current issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion and deepen your capacity to choose courage to speak up to greater inclusion in everything you do. Fasten your seatbelts and accelerate your effectiveness to become a powerful change agent in your life, community, job, and society. Imagine true equity and inclusion and get the tools to really manifest your vision. No frills, no fluff, just really powerful, good stuff. Transformation and Change Radio starts now. Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Kathy O'Bear with Transformation and Change Radio, where you can catch me every first Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern. And during this time of the coronavirus, I have done a couple extras and I intend to maybe do a couple more just to provide more support and outreach. And today I want to talk about creating an inclusion partners program, a critical infrastructure, internal capacity building that you could use this time if you have the bandwidth to think about how to put something like this in place so that when more folks have more presence bandwidth and there's more energy to think about equity inclusion, then you're already there. But I want to invite everyone to take a deep breath. If you're listening live, I think this is April 6th, or if you're listening the next week or two, more than likely you are still in peak or just after peak or coming into peak of potential high numbers getting coronavirus, if there's testing that's actually getting broader, if not more deaths. And you may only be one or two degrees separation from somebody that's seriously ill someone who has died. And so I just want to send my love and healing light out. And to all others who have lost jobs or afraid you might lose, or you're having trouble even dealing with unemployment and the, the bureaucracy, folks that are trying to work from home, and some of you that do not have elder, other dependents, children might be able to focus a bit, but just emotionally, the roller coaster. So I just really am thinking about the folks who are juggling many things at home and then trying to work within those environments and just the waves of fear, anxiety, grief, feeling out of control, overwhelmed. I hope you allow them to continue to flow like the waves of of an ocean, not stuffing, not thinking I have to be productive. I hope your environment is changing to realize that quantity and always on Zooms does not mean you're getting quality work And so this information may be useful now, but it may not. And so give yourself permission to use it in the future and come back to this and listen to it or hop onto my monthly Q&A calls to ask more questions. You may not have the bandwidth in these times, but in these times we are clearly, we're paying attention, seeing the cracks and the gaps in our current structures where we have been serving some, mostly folks in privileged groups, And a lot of folks in one or more marginalized identities are not getting their needs met and there are more barriers. And so what more is needed with a great time to re-examine not only how we're living our individual life with self-care, community care, creating a life we truly want to live and is much more reasonable. And how do we look at our organizations? So I just want to remind you that last week's show with Reverend Dr. Jamie Washington 
really shared some incredible wisdom on how to move with and through these times. And as we individually and collectively get more stable and you have more bandwidth to see possibilities or room for creative conversations, how do we co-create our new culture, the new normal, then this radio show might be particularly useful. So today I wanna to share about the Inclusion Partners Program. It's really one possible new structure that could help you really increase equity inclusion efforts. I've seen far too many organizations, executive teams, diversity councils, even senior leadership equity people get so excited when they start to get the survey data back and they invest a lot of energy and time into writing a strategic plan, a strategic direction. And there might be a lot of activities that get started by a inclusion change team and lots of committees, whether it's communication, website redesign, hiring practices redesign, often developing a bias response system if they don't have one already. And then lots of educational programs, major speakers, trainings, mostly only at awareness and some skill. But after a while, you notice there's little to no measurable progress. And especially if this is a second, third or fourth time, you've had a cycle of high energy and activity and then having it slow down you really notice that retention, engagement, culture change really has not gotten addressed in some of these EDI efforts. And unfortunately, I see this in hundreds of organizations. After a while, folks start thinking what's next and they start feeling stuck and unsure because they're not, they don't know how to do meaningful, sustainable culture change. And these high energy change agents run out of steam. And the top leaders get distracted by other crises that come up. And so people drop out and the attention wanes. And so inclusion partner program could be a way to have sustained infrastructure, sustained development of lots of folks. Because without the sense of urgency, without the most recent crisis getting us to pay attention too often, attention wanes, shifts elsewhere and our surveys and reports only hold up bookshelves. Now you still may have some highly motivated individuals within EDI organizations and your organization within different units, and they'll maybe still do innovative program services to help achieve inclusion strategic goals. But if they leave or get promoted into different roles and they have to really learn another way of being of service, then these high performers, their programs, their services, their products might stagnate and they might get dismantled if they do leave your organization. So it is critical that leaders, top leaders, and maybe several layers down commit to going to the next level, creating this critical infrastructure so that changes, meaningful, sustainable change happen in the long haul and not just in these peaks of high energy. So I'm going to talk about how do you create an inclusion partners program. And I really want to honor the folks at LCY Cross Associates. 25 years ago, when I was an active part of their uh, consulting firm, they've now closed. They had a program called Diversity Practitioners. And I got to support the key leaders who were uh, maybe three, four, five times they ran this program at a couple financial institutions. And they created partners within each unit working clearly with a top leader. And so what I'm gonna show you is some ways to modify that, at least how I've done it, particularly in higher ed. 
an innovative process that really gets somebody in each unit working with the top leader. And so you might use people that are already in the unit and create a new group that's system-wide, or maybe within a division, you create one, somebody embedded in every department. As I work with some universities there, the senior university officers, like we have somebody we already meet with once a month who is embedded in, especially in the academic area, each college. And so Maybe we can start and do a pilot with that group. So just as I talk, just let creative ideas come through. Its intention is to develop the capacity of leaders. Yes, we're going to be investing in inclusion partners over time to invest, have them be subject matter experts. They are really there as a support system for the leader so that you're accelerating institutional change and you're infusing equity inclusion into everything you do. So it's not only just a leader, but that inclusion partner is doing peer coaching workshops. They're doing things with the people they work with. So it's on the job learning, not only going to outside workshops. It might be from HR out of your EDI office and clearly getting everybody skilled up beyond awareness and interpersonal skills microaggressions critical, not sufficient to really use an inclusion social justice lens in everything they do to plan and then revise policies, programs, services. So I'm gonna highlight the benefits of having this skilled subject matter expert as a thought partner, and then the key steps on how do you actually develop it, including training and development and the competencies you're training to. Towards the end, some traps and pitfalls and in some of the free resources I'm offering on the page in my uh, Transformation Change Radio, you'll see those two webinars talk about the full breadth of the type of strategy for organizational change that I think is important. Inclusion partners, just one of those. So talk a bit more now about why some initiatives stagnate. And too often I've found EDI efforts are reactionary. The most recent often it's a racist incident that gets enough energy for some immediate attention. There might be external pressure from the local community, from stakeholders, investors, alumni, disgruntled staff. And there's a lot of internal pressure. If you're on a campus or in a K-12 organization, a nonprofit, then often the staff will be raising issues. There might be protests. There might be open forums that the leaders hold and you hear more about just the cumulative impact of racist, sexist, homophobic, anti-immigrant dynamics. I could keep going. And so there's a lot of frenzied energy, forming of task forces, trying to re-energize the diversity council that you had for two years, but then lost steam. You'll often get communications from top leaders. There might be focus groups, maybe another survey. You collect a lot of data. And it seems like things are changing. A lot of talk in the talk and maybe a lot of plans. In this time, you might hire a senior diversity officer, but the trap there is that then they get delegated, relegated to then do it all by themselves with little energy from top leaders, a little support, maybe a champion or two, but they think it's like senior EDI person, it's your effort. And then little staff and very little resources and money. And if you look back, most of these efforts have fizzled over time when the next competing crises until there's another racist, sexist, classist situation and you get this energy and the cycle repeats without a clear leadership case that is bought into by champions, all the senior leaders, 
without the infrastructure and accountability structures to ensure there's focused attention and progress over time, not just in these blips, without ongoing capacity development of leaders, then inclusion partners, and then all kinds of people in the different units, a certificate program of some kind, ongoing development, efforts will fade away until the next time there's a crisis. And here's the challenge. Some folks, particularly leaders, will think, well, when we need to, we will gear up again. But each time you have this crisis reaction, the folks that are particularly impacted, people in marginalized identities, folks that are in EDI roles with privileged identities, maybe, they get their hopes up, they get so excited, and then when they see it fade away, they get so disheartened. And so the next time you need them to hurry and get involved, they may not be there because they don't trust and believe that this time will be different. And when efforts fade away, another effort is outcome is folks of one of our marginal and privileged identities might actually feel relief that finally we don't have to pay attention to equity inclusion. And so they go back to status quo and it's harder to get them realizing it's actually a business case have to move. So how could inclusion partner accelerate? So again, those webinars and creating inclusive organizations could be great resources for you personally, as well as inclusion change teams, top, you know, your top 10 to 15 people that are actively doing equity inclusion at the interpersonal level, may help them get ideas on how do you do it at the systems level. And so I wanna focus again on how do you skill up leaders and managers to create equity inclusion in their teams, a way to do continuous improvement is to give each leader access to an inclusion partner, someone that is embedded in their unit, aligned directly with the leader, knows the business, whatever it is, nonprofit, K-12, corporate, higher ed, and they're a built-in thought partner, someone with far greater increasing and increasing equity inclusion capacity. The metaphor of learning to ride a bike, so many senior mid-level leaders have so many competing priorities. And while equity inclusion is a business outcome, they may not have the current capacity and so put it on the back burner. But if they have someone in their unit that actually was the training wheels to remind them to get out there and practice riding the bike and then was there if they start wavering to kind of be to help them get re-centered and aligned, working towards achieving EDI goals, and they're riding, running alongside so that if there's a big dip, they can help truly get everything back on track instead of falling over. We have to have somebody in every unit, whether it's a division or department, keeping the leader's attention on strategic goals and giving them more tools, support, coaching, and help everybody deepen their capacity to have an equity inclusion lens in everything they do. And so specifically the roles of an inclusion partner, things they can play. And this is all customized to whatever your organization is and what's needed. So in addition to being a constant thought partner, they can be an informal coach. I've watched senior leaders, mid-level leaders develop a relationship with inclusion partners so that they'll stop in and say, I'm dealing with this, you know, within a confidential, what do you think? So not only their direct reports, but they now have somebody with a clear EDI lens that might get asked to think about many different things, but particularly around equity inclusion. These folks more practically can be in every meeting, 
departmental committee task force staff meeting that when they're there, they are modeling the skills to ask the questions if there is an unproductive dynamic to refocus on EDI uh, lens at any point. Um, and to remind people that it's everybody's roles to do this. And because they have an official role and everybody knows that's part of their job, there's less resistance so that when somebody notices a racist comment or notices that a third of the organization hasn't been brought into the conversation before we make a decision and it happens to be folks hierarchically who have the least power in the organization, then there may not be as much at least overt resistance and they're getting more people thinking all the time about equity inclusion, full breadth of difference. These can be folks, if you don't already have a diversity advocate program where you have somebody on every, literally every search committee that's partnered with the hiring manager. These folks can be a thought partner with the hiring managers to really from A to Z working with HR. How do we really have and revise our current marketing, advertising, recruiting, hiring, onboarding processes? And so they can be in there revising practices while they are on the search committee and modeling, if not doing some implicit uh, bias training. But let me be clear, these are not necessarily folks that come in with training and development skills, how to design, facilitate workshops. If they do, they can be used somewhat in that, but you're going to probably want to really invest in a parallel TOF, training of facilitators, equity inclusion, so that you have these two infrastructures developing at the same time. They are a peer mentor and a coach formally. So you can set it up so that supervisors formally can meet with them every few weeks. In addition to the leader, of course, meeting with them that, you know, half hour conversations of how's it going? What do you need? And then they can be brainstorming some ideas for the different leaders within the different hierarchical levels. Uh, and then informally, I've had inclusion partners say more people are stopping by or sending an email and just asking me, here's a situation. What are your thoughts? Now, these folks can facilitate small group discussions. So let's say you have a trainer coming into the unit doing team development or training around communication skills, conflict, foundation, EDI work. These folks could be small group facilitators, you know, one per table, because they have those skills to get people involved and navigate not only those small unproductive moments where people interrupt, talked over, but micro aggressions, as well as difficult conversations. So now on the radio webpage, you have a, I think the first thing listed says knowledge base. I think the next one is not only these webinars, but there's also something that says handout in there is, I don't know, five or six pages of a self-assessment for inclusion partners that I developed when I first started teaching the course, which I'll do again in the fall, starting August 23rd. I've come up with 64 skills, very pragmatic competencies that inclusion partners need to have. I'm not saying it's comprehensive, but it's not bad. And so I designed this online hybrid live every week, plus lots of resources to develop inclusion partners in units across the nation and Canada. I've had folk. And so you could download that, print it off, and that could be something used internally to gather a group of people, some leaders, some change agents already and say, what's the current capacity of our leaders around these type of skills? And what's the capacity of folks that are informally already working with leaders? 
Now, if you bring together a formal inclusion partner program, this could guide you to develop your own program in-house, whether you use mine or develop your own in-house. These are the competencies that the inclusion partner needs to develop and leaders need to develop. And in the longer term, all the people in the organization. So this could be a nice roadmap for you. As you're developing inclusion partner program, these uh, skill gaps, because you have people, what do you currently you know, it's probably one to five strengths and then have them identify weaknesses. You can put it in a job form. There's all kinds of ways you can collect data anonymously and what they think they currently do and where they want to have their capacity. Now I might have inclusion partners do this on their leader um, and collect up that data and maybe sit down where they each share. Here's where I think you are. Here's where I think I am. And they share that and then anticipate what's our unit, what's our department Therefore. What kind of skill gaps do we need to fill using the cadre of train the trainers you have already or other online resources? And so you can use this to really do ongoing professional development for leader and inclusion partners and the entire unit. You could have a whole division take this assessment to then tell you what they want to learn and need to learn. Inclusion partner can also be really powerful finding out what other departments are doing. Let's say you have a group of 20 or 30 folks in your pilot group. They would be meeting monthly with a coordinator, and I'll talk about that in a minute. <clears throat> but as they're developing relationships with other inclusion partners, they're learning new strategies and ideas that may work really well in finance, and you just have to fine-tune it a bit to have it work in your division. Reverse mentoring. This idea that the top leader and maybe a few other leaders use the inclusion partner not only as a thought partner, but also as a mentor where they're getting coaching around EDI on a regular basis. Maybe you have your IP, your inclusion partner come to your direct reports meeting so that they're active there. But in the process, they're learning about strategic planning. They're learning what senior leaders have to think about. And so it's an incredible career development process for them much less getting visibility with top leaders um, that'll help their career advancement. Another way inclusion partners can be really value add is these gentle nudges and reminders. Just they can be an informal system of accountability for the leaders about skill development, using an inclusion lens. Again, they're not an executive coach. Let me be very clear. They are still within the hierarchy, so there is some risk for them to raise issues and point things out. And an informal nudge, especially if they've negotiated, that could be great. So this is a systemic infrastructure intervention. It's not a nice to have. This is a required process for leader accountability if you move in this direction. So core components, the whole organization has to have a vision of how this inclusion partner program fits within the overall EDI organizational goals and how it's part of the different infrastructures. You have to have ideas of clear expectations of the leaders, clear expectations of the IPs, and then accountability structures down the hierarchy. But a key new role is a program coordinator. And this could be something with somebody a quarter to maybe a third of their time gets reallocated. So they're coordinating this pilot because they're going to have a lot of support. Now, if you're running this in-house and you're developing, it might be more of a half easily of their time. You're going to have to have clear leadership commitment from top leaders, next level, all the way down until 
you have all the managers in your organizations understand the role of the IP and particularly the senior leader who has this person as their thought partner, their investments because they have to continue to do their own leadership development. We'll talk in a bit about a selection process, a compensation plan. I think it's 15 to 20% of inclusion partner, ideally having things moved off their plate so that frees up their time. But a lot of this, especially over time, once the initial training, they're in learning and infusing. And so it really becomes a part of what they do every day. Uh, but still, if you do it as an add-on, you could be burning people out. So compensate with removing things from their work and ask them what would be motivating for you. In addition to the high visibility, the mentoring you're going to get, the professional development you're going to get, you'll be seen as a rising star. What else would be motivational? And that could be more money for professional development off-site or online training. It could be a bonus at the end of the year if they meet expectations and really help the organization to survive and thrive. And so as we prepare to go to break, I just want to remind you that there are a lot of free resources on the link. And so what I'd like you to think about is um, you can go there and or you can always go to www.drkathyobear.com backslash events, E-V-E-N-T-S, events. And you'll find resources there that I have coming up. Um, I have made my Navigating Difficult Situations course. On, you know, it's online, self-paced. I've made it free during coronavirus, this pandemic crisis. And so that could be an incredible resource for your internal folk. You can also learn about my design facilitation course, so I encourage you to don't forget to go there as well as onto the website for this, to see the webinars, the handouts. And um, I look forward to coming back. I'm Dr. Kathy O'Bear. And after break, we will keep talking about how do you develop an internal infrastructure of inclusion practitioner partner program to really accelerate organizational change. I'm Dr. Kathy O'Bear, Transformation Change Radio. We will be back in just a few moments. Tune in to The Truth is Funny with Colette Steffen each Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This hit show will have you thinking outside the box and riding the wave of infinite potential. Join Colette on the Higher Self Network, inspiring listeners to shine their brilliance and ensure success while roaring with laughter as they recognize the humor of the giant cosmic joke. Visit TheTruthIsFunny.com. We remember a time when you could simply form a thought and it would manifest. The harmony was forgotten, but it is returning now. The power of inspiration and awakening radio with Julia Griffin on TransformationTalkRadio.com each second and fourth Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific. We'll take you on adventures through the heart and spirit exploring who we once were. This intuitive healer studied under the guidance of wolves, learning from their wisdom to master a higher frequency for a new state of mind. Visit OneTrueSelf.com. Stuck in a roundabout of dysfunction? Stop circling around difficult issues and find out what's been holding you back. Learn how to speak your truth to power with host Dr. Kathy O'Bear. Create real change with smart tools and smart strategies. No frills, no fluff, just life-changing conversations to help get you where you want to be. Extend your reach and become an agent for real change with Kathy O'Bear. For more information on Kathy and her work, please visit drkathyobear.com. 
That's drkathyobear.com. Did you know that all of the shows on the Transformation Radio Network are available as podcasts to stream or download? Really? Check us out. Go to transformationradio.fm. We have business shows, spiritual shows, energy healing shows, and pretty much everything in between. Something for everyone guaranteed to inspire, educate, and transform. We are transforming the world one listener at a time. Tune in to Lucid Planet Radio with Dr. Kelly Neff. This hit show will illuminate your senses and empower you beyond your daily stressors and hardships. Renowned psychologist and author Dr. Kelly will captivate you with far-reaching topics and amazing guests as you wake to the greatest version of yourself. Learn to tap into your intuitions, think critically about our world, heal emotional and psychological wounds, and follow your passions to live your dreams. The Lucid Planet. Welcome home. Visit lucidplanetradio.com for more information. It's time to get your life back on Burn Bright Today with Jennifer Marcinelli. Tune in each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn to move from the darkness of burning out to the light of burning bright. Jennifer is redefining stress and the energetic causes of burnout, shining a light on process to get your life back. For more information about Jennifer and her work, visit BurnBrightToday.com. Dr. Kathy O'Bear, Transformation Change Radio, and we're talking about how do you create an inclusion partners program in your organization. We've been talking about the role and the need to create a not only a compensation plan, but an evaluation and assessment that's built on those expectations, continuous development and training, and having everything integrated in the strategic plan, priorities, and you're probably thinking, okay, okay, I want one. What do I do? So let me talk about some of the good practices I've learned over the years about selection. And again, you can tailor it to meet your own culture and needs. So you have this program coordinator, and then I would have an advisory group, and whether that's some of the senior leaders, some of the existing EDI, equity, inclusion, diversity folk, that really come together and get clear. So what are the kind of criteria we're going to use to select Folks have found a nomination and, and an application process has been useful. And so in one organization I worked with, they really worked with the leaders who would have these inclusion partners to have them think about what are your needs, what are the competencies you want in somebody, a minimum expectation of not only a commitment and an excitement, but a moderate degree already of some skills around equity inclusion. So these are not beginners in the journey of equity inclusion. And so the leaders nominated some people. And then anybody else could nominate and people could self-nominate and apply. What that does is it helps some folks who may not already have the relationship with senior leaders, because you may know some senior leaders only have relationships with people more like them. And so the chances of they may not know everybody one, two, three levels down. Now, that'll increase the hierarchical dynamics you have to negotiate but you could have an incredible high potential employee that's a couple levels down from the senior leader that's already doing some good work. You want to have people that are already connectors, people that are sought out as informal peer coaches already. That'd be ideal. And again, a current capacity already on equity inclusion and a willingness to do more in-depth development, monthly meetings, and it could be a 12 to 18 month commitment, depending on what you want to set up. Six months, they're still getting trained. They're useful, but they're not their prime. So I recommend people start one of these every six months or every 12 months. So you got a new 
group of people coming in and the folks that are further along can be mentors or a couple times a year come together to share ideas so that every division is getting a newer person every six or 12 months and you're deepening that capacity forming slowly um, lots more folks. Now the size of the group depends on your organization. If you want to start it as a pilot with an A division or you want to start it organization wide. But truly at least 10 to 15 people, if not 20 to 30, would be great. And you really want to make sure that you're thinking about demographic diversity as you're also choosing. So competencies as well as demographic diversity. So it's not all marginalized identity folk, not all privileged identity folk, even though most folks have a combination, the apparent ones. So you want to make sure, particularly by race, sex assigned at birth, gender identity, sexuality, um, educational background, immigration status, disability status, I could keep going. This group, and the reason you want to do it is they do so much cross-sharing and cross-development that they form an incredible learning community themselves and peer coaching. So it's just another part of the spider web infrastructure. So uh, if you have it in front of you, I'd like you to pull out that self-assessment, the critical skills for inclusion partners, because that really is the tool to help understand what are the core competencies that people can develop. And I just want to highlight a few. They can develop in this program, if you develop the curricula or use my curricula, to really use an inclusion lens as they're tracking and noticing group dynamics. They're paying attention to common privileged, marginalized group dynamics and indirectly trying to navigate those to get fuller participation, engagement, more innovation. And so they're noticing interrupting, talking over, the dismissal of ideas that happen so often from privilege to marginalized groups. Yes, those happen between people of very similar groups, but I would love to have someone do research. I bet it happens three to five more times more often to people in the corresponding marginalized, whether it's by years of experience, love in the organization, race, sex assigned at birth, gender identity. And so the dominating of airtime, decisions getting made quickly with a few people really undermines teamwork, morale, retention, customer service. And so having folks be able to recognize and interrupt these unproductive meeting behaviors, plus the more clear, blatant microaggressions that so often go unaddressed because folks kind of get scared during headlights, like, what do I do? Someone just said something racist. Maybe someone won't, someone else will do it. And so they're really also um, helping people keep discussions on track. And so just good, effective meeting management. Now they may not be leading the meeting, but they can learn to meet, lead from the side. And in in addition to these indirect ways to get the team back on track or moving through an unproductive group dynamic, they can have the skills to stop a group and say, what are y'all noticing in the moment? And maybe it wasn't just a one time another white person interrupted a person of color or a man wasn't either listening or no one paid attention to when a woman raised an idea. And then when the man says it, the whole group thinks it's a good idea. But when the woman said it, it was overlooked. And so these common dynamics, which the cumulative impact really impact engagement, innovation, teamwork can stop. Again, they're not doing significant conflict mediation. That's a whole nother skill set. but they can say, what have you all noticing about a group dynamics? I'm noticing there's more interrupting and anyone else noticing by group membership, who's getting talked over, whose ideas we're not listening to. Now that's a pretty advanced skill, but if you have a robust development program initially, and then ongoing, 
some of your folks could have that capacity to help the group choose more effective, inclusive ways and really do team development. Truly keeping EDI on the table, reminding people about our commitment, the leadership case, the why they can lead conversations to get people focused on that. And then using templates that I offer, how do you literally in every discussion and plan and keep issues of privileged marginalized groups on the table? They can get in-depth work around navigating difficult situations, navigating their own when they feel triggered, what are their warning signs, what are their feelings so that they're not then projecting those onto others and then teaching those skills. And again, the navigating difficult situations course, it's usually a couple hundred dollars I've made free for however long. I was just talking to a senior diversity uh, leader today and he's like, so I can send it out to all the thousands of people I'm like, yeah, in the organization, you bet. He's like, what about the community and the K-12 teachers? I'm like, yes. And he said, well, I'm connected to the whole state. Can I say, yes. So free resource through till we have some more stability. The key sets of skills that are so missing that an inclusion partner can bring in is how to use an equity lens, analyzing, revising current norms, policies, practices, services, all your programs, all your marketing, your media, your all your HR practices, and to help people ask those questions by group membership, who's getting served and who may not be unintentionally having not getting served and having a negative impact. So while it's easy to say to get it into literally the infrastructure of every single meeting, inclusion partner can do this. Now, as they're working with an inclusion unit change team. And that's one of the other infrastructures. So you might have an organizational wide change team, but you need them at the department division level. They can be helpful getting people to look, gather and look at some more data disaggregated by group membership so we can use it in planning and decision-making. Inclusion partner can work with leaders to get a whole culture change, not only about equity inclusion and about can we get evidence-based decision-making, data decision-making, and get better data so that we are really serving the full breadth of our customers, full breadth of the folks inside. Unit change teams can also be, again, you need more people looking at what's the research, what are our peer and aspiring institutions doing, what are competitors doing, and then bringing that data back and collaborating with the leadership team could be facilitated by the inclusion partners. So the last major skill bucket that they can develop, yes, they're externally working with others, but to do that, they have to be a clear instrument. And so a lot of the work is what are my own biases? That self-work about what are my behaviors that are fueled by some of these racist classes, sexist, by attitudes that I still have. And then how do they self-reflect continuous improvement? And especially around emotional intelligence, EQ skills, which they can get a lot of from my, my course. So the intent is that they're continuously developing their capacity, modeling these skills and competencies, and then officially coaching the leader as well as other colleagues to develop these same practices in their own leadership, as well as changing how we do the work. Now, the expectations and requirements, you got to get them really clear. They have to be committed to their ongoing development. This is leaders and inclusion partners and to stay in the work and not get distracted by competing priorities. And if there are competing priorities to use an EDI, EDI lenses are doing it. I think the IP and the leader meeting at least every two weeks is helpful. And then again, the IP group with the program coordinator should be meeting monthly in my opinion, after some initial training. 
And then maybe there's homework in between. And then leaders clearly have to be having their own professional development that's organized by your senior equity inclusion leader. So they're doing their own development uh, in a parallel, similar skills, but the leaders have to get, how do you lead an organizational change process? IPs can help coach that, but they need to be getting that at a much higher level. Now, inclusion partners are not, let me be clear, this has got to be clear, diversity police, they're not there to lead it. They're to support the leader, to be that subject matter expert, to help the leader accelerate their capacity to lead and accomplishing goals. The leader is accountable. So what are some key training and development steps? So initially, this one place where we actually launched this, we did a two-day event and the leaders all came for the first half day and they were there with inclusion partners. So we set expectations from the senior leader to get that's not an add-on, a nice thing to do, but a key required infrastructure change process. And so it was a we structured it so that they would build relationships to get more authentic conversation and engagement between the leader, set expectations. And then we just launched into some activities of, so what's the current organizational climate in your area? And we use the multicultural organizational development model, which in that handout is on pages seven to nine, Drs. Jackson and Hardiman developed about 40 years ago. It's a great, easily accessible model that can have people thinking about, are we more exclusionary, kind of just doing enough to not get sued, doing some training, or are we really infusing equity inclusion in everything we do and requiring people? So that model we used had people get a continuum and move to where they thought the unit was and to a de department and a de everyone the IP, inclusion partner, was standing at a much lower assessment than the senior leader thought things were. And that's pretty predictable. Now, if you're not wanting to use MCOD, you can just use a scale of zero to 10. How equitable, inclusive is our current division or department for all members? Have people reflect, zero to 10, go move in the continuum, then stop, talk about why, and then hook up the leader and the inclusion partner, or then really sit down and no right or wrong to share from your perspective, what do you think? Uh, that the rest of that initial two day, and I actually think they needed more, was uh, leaders then went off and we kept the inclusion partners because we really had to develop them into a learning community to get them skills right now they could use to track group dynamics and intervene in microaggressions and unproductive dynamics. And then we started to dip them into concepts and tools like how do you analyze the current uh, state and also how do you analyze policies and practices. So they got much more in depth in the further monthly trainings on all that. Plus, how do you lead from the middle? How do you really manage up? And then they got to access to the program coordinator in those monthly meetings to pull up to the side, say, here's the reality. My leader, there's actually some challenges with them. And so some confidential coaching too. Other development they got in those month long could be peer coaching skills. And again, people have different group identities plus different hierarchical statuses. So they might be coaching up the ladder or to peers that they have to keep working with. So you just really want to tailor and time these ongoing monthly gatherings based on the skill gaps and what the folks, the IP said they wanted. But can you imagine if one of them was leading effective inclusive meetings? another engaging resistance at the individual systems level from your leader, from those middle managers where it's often the cement of the organization. 
Um, and then, of course, more what do you do if difficult situations, conflicts, just some real dilemmas they're engaging and using those other inclusion partners and the program coordinators, brilliant peer coaches. Leaders have to be having similar development from their supervisor, one-on-one, supervisor's team of directs, ongoing development, and then again, organizational-wide leader development. Now, the types of changes that I've seen and keep hearing from that we can anticipate, this could be some of the business case to why to implement an inclusion partner program. Leaders have almost to a T said they've really appreciated the internal support, the added training wheels, if you will. And they report they got greater capacity and greater confidence, knowing they had someone to think with, and there was further progress and faster progress on their strategic goals. Now, the team members, department members, saw an increase there because it's day-to-day application of skills that they might have learned in a workshop four months ago, but then forgot. And you have someone there reminding people, modeling it, using it. And then if you really move to systemic analyzing your policies, practice, particularly all your HR practices, recruiting, retention, onboarding, then people have said, we actually have brought in folks with more competencies around equity inclusion, and that's across all identities, privileged and marginalized. And we were intentionally wanting to hire more folks of color. And we have increased not only bringing folk in, but we have decreased the revolving door because we've increased the climate for everyone. And so there's more teamwork, productivity, innovation. Now, other interventions need to be there, mentoring, develop, anti-racism training. So there's, this isn't the only thing. And this with many others has helped change the culture to be evidence-based, continuous improvement, and really getting everyone skilled up and accountable to look for microaggressions and policies and practices that really undermine our equity goals. Now, there are a couple other ones I just want to highlight, other infrastructures. I'd mentioned the unit change team. That's a critical change structure that can get a lot more folks involved. And so a diagonal slice of the organization, again, demographic representation of your customers, the folks you have in the unit, ongoing development for them. But you can have the inclusion partner be their co-chair, and they can then be more hands and more ideas more thinking around what's data we have, where can we get it? Let's analyze the current state. How do we want to share that data with the leadership team and maybe have some collaborative conversations? Do we want to do another survey? Most likely just get out all your old surveys, brush them off, and then look at those and maybe a couple uh, rounds of focus groups to freshen them. But they can really be looking at our recruiting, retention, engagement, utilization of services, products, satisfaction, all with an inclusion lens. The unit change team can also help do an environmental scan. What literally, if people come into our work environment, do they see themselves? What's the climate? What's the morale? Look at our website with an inclusion lens, all the marketing we do with an inclusion lens. Who would see themselves? Who wouldn't? Are there any unintended microaggressions happening? And then again, help with learning needs. They're they're almost sponges. These unit change teams folks are out there in many different parts, so they can be gathering all kinds of anecdotal information. Plus, they can really help with policies, practices that need to be analyzed and, and be more of the group that comes together initially to do that as you're trying to get more folks skilled in the rest of the area. And always recommending changes for innovative approaches, how to stay one step ahead of the curve to improve climate, culture, customer service products. 
people are getting skilled up much faster because they're doing applied learning in the unit change team as well as in meetings with inclusion partner and you're getting closer to a critical mass. Now, as I mentioned earlier, you may want the whole organization doing an internal, uh, internal facilitator development program. And again, at uh, kathyberry.com backslash events, you'll see my design facilitation course. It's just exciting to work with folks. It's a self-paced with some virtual time with me to really deepen their capacity, design, facilitate, not lecture, not present, but truly facilitate the development of EDI competencies. And so if you have some of those folks, because your IPs are not trainers, they're kind of internal coaches slash consultants. The coordinator needs some support because as you're hearing all this, you might be breathing deeply and thinking, how in the world are they going to do all that? Well, you can provide them support. They can have a sponsor, a champion that they can work with. Maybe you want to have a coach externally, internally that they can go to. You might have folks in HR, training development, organizational development that can be a resource. So a pool of folks they can go to for support, but clearly at least one person they can go to for strategic support, politics support, emotional support, a confidential space to also get ongoing skill development and coaching. Now, they might be interested in my Inclusion Partners Program if you're on my mailing list or if you download anything from my website, they'll ask you for your web, uh, your email. So that's starting August 23rd, runs for 12 consecutive weeks. So I do live Inclusion Partner Program where a lot of folks come in to get the skills, but a lot of folks have also brought in other key leaders so that they get the skill developed at the same time. You have to have an accountability structure that's built into performance management, annual expectations and plans. And I see the coordinator meeting with each IP and their direct supervisor maybe once or twice a year just to clarify where we are, what are the plans, and a lot of brainstorming. Um, and then always be thinking about resistance. And so some of the pitfalls, you can anticipate them already. Uh, let's just dump it on the IP. And so the leaders just kind of wash their hands. It happens with most um, senior level equity inclusion roles. That whole pattern can happen here. You know, it's not my job. It's your job now. And the leader might say, now I'll work with you, but they're not willing to do the leadership development, the self-authentic work, the engagement with the workshops they need to be going to and the coaching they're getting. Both leader and IP might go, I'm too busy. And we bit off more than we choose. We might need to renegotiate how to get people freed up so they can really be that internal resource. Another one is IPs going off on their own, doing it by themselves, not staying connected to the other inclusion partners, not partnering with the leader. And so the resistance from, I'd be irritated if I was a leader to hear things that are happening I didn't know of. You might have colleagues that are not receptive. And so making sure that the whole system says, everybody is gonna need to develop these capacities and the inclusion partners is one way for you to do it. So they'll be seen as a resource. Social justice arrogance. I know I have fallen into that trap, but inclusion partners might think I know everything there is and look, I'm getting all this knowledge and move into judgment of others. Activity driven, they can start doing a lot of things, busyness instead of strategic business for meaningful change. NIPs can, with the leaders, get distracted by the latest fad, the latest and the final one might be that the whole system has to be deeply invested for the long haul. Systemic change and support development structures, and that includes allocation of time and resources. However, 
I believe with intentional planning tied to strategic plan, equity inclusion goals really tied to the leadership case, connected to your current infrastructure, what work groups you have at the systems level, EDI task force, a systemic coordination with all the different infrastructure processes, clear accountability, continuous development, support, oversight can work. And you might just want to start, as I've said, with an initial cohort. And then every six to 12 months, start another. Because here's what could be different. Meaningful progress towards EDI goals, organizational success. And then, to be honest, in these areas that have inclusion partners, let's say a third of your organization has them, the other two-thirds are going to start noticing the change that happened in one organization and say, what are you all doing differently? So you'll get more interest from leaders, especially if they're held accountable for progress on their goals. You'll get more quality work improved products and services, innovation, and you'll have more high potential leaders that when you're looking for succession planning, you'll have a place to go. Change is hard anytime, but particularly during the coronavirus, this pandemic, we have no idea what's happening, what's going to happen. And it's so easy to let EDI efforts fall off the track. So I hope you utilize the folks that are already natural inclusion partners, and then think about, do you want to do something more formal? You know, imagine every leader manager had a thought partner who could keep their eyes on the goal on the horizon, their hand on the tiller, and be adjusting and steering the boat until everybody in the organization is skilled up and accountable for equity inclusion for everything we do. So thank you for the work you're already doing. I hope you look at all the resources, the free navigating difficult situations, the inclusion webinars, and then at kathyobaird.com backslash events. You get access to Navigating Difficult Situations, my book, a whole 100-page workbook. It'd be a great resource now for people. And then the Design Facilitation course. You might find you want to start a cadre of folks during this time so they have ongoing development and access to me as you're developing the infrastructure to facilitate equity inclusion, long-term, sustainable, meaningful change. I'll be back here, maybe in between, but if not, first May first Monday of May, I'm going to start bringing together senior diversity leaders to talk about what's really going on in this time of crisis and what they're doing in the meantime to plan, develop, and meet the needs around equity inclusion and accelerate. So I'm Dr. Kathy O'Bear from Transformation Change Radio. I hope you are all well and safe, and I will see you soon. You've been listening to Dr. Kathy O'Bear on Transformation Talk Radio. Thanks for tuning in, and be sure to catch us next time as Kathy inspires listeners to become agents of change, motivate, innovate, and speak truth to power. Step into the courageous you that will change the world. Connect to life-changing conversations to extend your reach. For more information on Kathy and her work, please visit drkathyobear.com. That's drkathyobear.com.